Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball and the Coach's Edge. Thank you for joining me today in this episode, part two with Brian Sabo. We had him on a few weeks ago, strength coach, track and field coach, Eastwood High School in Northwest Ohio. How good is this guy? They've won 20 of the past 20 girls conference championships with their track program. They've won 19 of the last 20 on the boys' side. This guy knows what he's talking about. So if you get the chance, make sure you go back and listen to the episode with him. We talked about a bunch of ways that athletes can improve their performance and how coaches can help them do so. Now, when I contacted Coach Sabo and asked if I could interview him, he said he also had many questions for me. So that's why we turn this into a part two episode as he shares some of his thoughts as well as asks me certain questions about coaching in general and in large part, uh, the mindset, leadership, communication, things that we both are very passionate about. And um, I can tell you firsthand, we've learned a lot from each other in the conversations that we've had thus far. And I look forward to many more. So Thank you for listening. If you find this beneficial, and it's not just among coaches, if you know a parent, a player that would benefit from hearing some of these um, kind of pieces and, and nuggets, words of advice, please share it out with them. And obviously a positive rating and review goes a really long way as well. Thank you very much to Coach Sabo for spending the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. Let's get to the show. Before we get into our interview, we'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. They also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles. With one of the largest selections of trucks in the state, they are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin, our truck country, stop in and see them today. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will get you right. When I lived in Ohio, I still went all the way up to Standish because I knew they were going to take care of me when it came to getting a new vehicle. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. We talked with, with Coach Brian Sabo and... Um, you know, if, if you didn't already, make sure you listen to uh, part one um, as I pepper him with a handful of questions regarding, you know, strength, development, uh, advice to coaches, multi-sport athletes, a ton of great stuff within that episode. Um, but one of the few coaches that I've had the chance to interview and he came away right away in an email was like, I, I want to ask you some stuff too. Um, so he's going to ask me a few questions and we're kind of kind of reverse this and Coach Sabo, welcome. This is kind of like your second appearance on the podcast, and now you're like the host. So it's like you just hijacked the whole thing, and now now it's your your podcast. So, you know, take it away. <laughs> I, I will actually. Um, thank you. I, I enjoy it. I mean, and I think you know, from a coaching standpoint, um, if you one of my favorite books to read. Uh, first of all, that would be, be my first question uh, eventually is, is like, do you read and what are you, what are you reading or, or listening to or gravitating towards? Because we discuss getting better and growing as a coach. So that'll be one of my questions. But one of my favorite books is How to Win, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was written in the 30s by Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, fantastic. So if you want to continue to grow, ask questions, you know, and also let you know, somebody's really listening somebody really is genuine somebody really cares and and you know when i have the opportunity to have somebody that coaches us uh, passionate um you, you know uh, uh a great human being i, I want to ask a few questions um too so i think the first one were what are well, I'll ask that one. You know, do you read? What do you read? What are you researching? Is it all basketball? Is it is it is it um, growth? Is it culture? Is it genuine um, self development leadership? What are some things you're you're interested in? Oh, that's a great question. And um, yes, I, I don't read it probably as much as I should, but usually I have at least one book that I'm always that I'm always reading. Um, and there's a 
a book that, that I'm reading now. Um, it's by uh, his last name's Ehrman. And uh, he's a, he was Joe, a, Joe Ehrman. He was, he was yeah. a NFL football player and just kind of had a crazy backstory and you put me on the spot and I'm forgetting the title of the book now. Um, um, I think it's like inside, summer. it's like inside, inside, coaching. inside coaching. Yeah. So yeah. I'm currently reading inside coaching uh, right now. Um, I'm like a third of the way through it and it's, it's got some great stuff in there. Uh, but my, my favorite books, one is how to win friends and influence yeah. people, which it has a, a strange title to it. After I read the book, I was like, this book should just be called how to be a good person. Yes. Uh, it just wouldn't sell as many copies with, with that. You're time. right. You're um, right. But really a lot of great life application. Uh, and for and younger I, generation, I think there's one how to win friends in, in the technology age for or the something like for that. the digital, digital age. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that, that's that's actually the one that I've I've read. I haven't read the the original. It's it's the digital age one. Um, one of my all time favorite books is uh, by a guy named Jamie Gilbert and Josh Metcalf, mm-hmm. and it's called Burn Your Goals. Yeah. And um, uh, Jamie Gilbert, if he gets a chance to look him up, he hasn't written a ton of books, maybe four or so. Um, but he's my favorite. Metcalf, but not Jamie Gilbert. Yeah, so but I, know, named, I know the book you're talking about. Metcalf's good. Uh, Jamie Gilbert is my favorite author, favorite. Hmm. Um, and they partner and, and wrote this book together called Burn Your Goals. And one of the reasons that um, I like it so much is because there, there's so much, especially in sports, where we talk about setting goals and you know having these these aspirations for yourself. Uh, but but this book generally focuses on being the best you can be, and that uh, goals aren't necessarily the way to get the best out of yourself. You could set a goal and it could be way too low, and you pass it, and then you're like. Okay, should I feel good about something that I should have accomplished anyway? Um, you're you're wondering like, was that even a, a a good goal for me to set? Other times you might set a goal and it's completely unrealistic, right? And you don't accomplish it, and you and you feel like a failure. Well, you shouldn't either. And so it it really talks about let's let's put these goals to the side, and it talks a lot about controlling the controllables, and and trying to do things on a daily basis that allow you to grow and improve, whether that's as a person, whether that's in a sport that you play, uh, Jamie Gilbert was a Division One soccer player, so he has some kind of stories about his athletic ex- experience, which I could kind of relate to, mm-hmm. which was really good, good as well. So, um, those are those are a couple of the books that that I found a lot of benefit from. And, and to be honest with you, with those books, I still go back to them. They're yeah. all highlighted, and I got notes mm-hmm. in there, and I'll, I'll still go back and sift through the pages, and and I always find a nugget that I'm like, oh yeah that's going to apply. And, yeah. um, and I read a Bible pretty much every day too. Yeah. So I got to throw that one in. <laughs> yes. Perfect. No, I, I, uh, have my daily, daily verse that kind of always pops up. Um, that, that's, that's good as well. And I think like audiobooks, podcasts, YouTube, a lot of those have, you know, I, I think it's, we read a little bit less, but we're still getting a lot of great information if you're, if you're following the right people and that type of stuff. So that it's, I forgot to mention that because you asked that as well. Um, the what what I found from a basketball standpoint is a lot of the really high level like basketball teachers and coaches have gone much more to video and audio instead of books. Um, yeah. So uh, that's not to say there's great basketball books, but I feel like the most cutting edge stuff that you're going to find is going to be either in podcast form or it's going to be some type of Zoom presentation, coaches clinic. Um, obviously, aside from COVID, if you can actually physically go to a coaches clinic, that's great stuff. I mean, people are giving you firsthand experience from what they've done. Um, so there's always great nuggets that you can pick up there. So yeah, between podcasts. Um, generally, a lot of those for me are, are more basketball specific related. Yeah. And then a lot of the books that I'm relating are, are more about, uh, you know, personal development, leadership, communication, things like that. Hmm. I'm gonna go back. I, you were talking about your goals and then reaching or setting up too high or, or comparing. Um, one of the things I realized that you had said common mistakes high school athletes might make I think sometimes too, they get caught up comparing themselves to other kids. And like we said, maybe they're not developed yet. Maybe they're not that kid. Like I said, maybe that kid's a Ferrari, maybe you're not yet. Or 
can't get caught up in comparing to where you're at. I know as parents we do, and you've probably seen this enough coaching that, you know, they compare to this kid. Well, it's not the same. Kids make mistakes of comparing themselves to kid. Where were you at last year? Are you better? What are some things you need to do to continue to get better? Um, And if they focus on that, things are okay. And they realize all of a sudden they catch up maybe to somebody else if they really want the comparison world. So I think that's a, a mistake they make a lot of. It's hard not to do, we all do it, you know. It's human nature. And I think, um, you know, I always say don't compare, compete. And uh, so you can compete against all these people that may be more talented, more athletic, taller, faster, whatever it is. It's great to compete against high level people, but I can compete against them yeah. without comparing myself to them. Yes. If, I, if I'm going to compare myself to anybody, it's essentially the person that I am right now. That's who I'm competing against. And I always tell our kids, the person you're competing against the most is you, right? And, and, and you got to improve yourself and let the, the results kind of fall where, where they may, knowing that you're doing the things that are going to allow you to continue to develop and improve yourself so that's my message for all the players that that we work with don't compare compete yeah and that's perfect transition into one of my next questions i had because following you and knowing you um first of all i gotta imagine you you had an unbelievable work ethic to improve your skills i feel basketball is one of the top sports that you can drastically improve your skills on self-development and work. Obviously the flow of a game and some other players having that awareness helps, but if you drastically can improve your skills, you immediately can insert yourself and to me be more efficient and valuable in the game. Do you see kids, um, doing that as much um so guarantee somebody maybe comes to camp or they work with you you are and then they come back with you whether it's a week two weeks a month the next year you immediately can tell i'm assuming whether that kid has worked and done some of the things you already asked or have not um i don't even know if i'm asking my question right like is is that is it is do we see that in the generation now do they continue working because i think you give all these kids, so many tools that they can make themselves better. The question is, are they actually doing it? But I think there's three keys that a player needs to have if they want to really, really be good at basketball or anything else. Okay. One, you have to enjoy playing the game. If, if you don't really enjoy playing the game, it's not going to happen. And, and so occasionally we'll see, uh, parents and coaches who are pushing their child or their athlete, like, let's go, let's go out. And they want you to do something. The, the kid doesn't love it though. Right. Yeah. Somebody yeah. else is trying to love it for them. Hmm. They got to love it. Say that again. They have to love it. Right? Somebody you, else is trying to love it for them. You can't yeah. love it for them. Wow. Two, you have to, and you don't always have to like it, but you, you need to love the work the process, right? The, the, the grind, not just when the lights are on, but when the lights are off, do you enjoy that process when no one is around, when no one is looking, um, you know, there, there's a lot of training and I'm in that boat, right? I get paid. I make a living working with high school basketball teams, individual players, all that stuff, but you have to be willing to take that and do it on your own. You need that. So do you like to play? Two, do you like to train? And three, you like to compete. And most of the time, players do not check all three boxes. Now, it could be any of these three things. I know, you know, I can think of high school teammates that I had who um, they enjoyed playing basketball and they were really competitive but they hated to practice and they weren't going to work at all in the off season on basketball. But when Mm -hmm. basketball season came around, they were going to be all in and they were going to work really hard because they were really, really competitive and they wanted to win. Okay. So we got two or three boxes, but we're not going to have a whole lot of skill with that player. Right. Right. I've seen other players 
really like to play basketball. So that's why they're in it. They really like to work on their game. And this is the interesting player to me. They like the process of developing. They like the process of working on their game. And a lot of times these, these are sometimes the kids that are hard to pinpoint. And you're, you're, you're wondering like, there's something that's not quite there with that player. What, what is it? Because they'll run through a brick wall for you. Like you, you tell them to do something and they are going to do it. But when the lights come on and it's win or lose, something's not there. Right. And it's the competition. It's, it's when we're finally doing something and they're looking at themselves inside and they're saying, I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose. And some people are not comfortable with that. And um, many of those people don't get into sports at all. So that, you know, but there are a handful of people who are in the sport. They like the game, they like the craft, but they don't want the competition aspect of it. And so those are usually the aspect athletes that really good practice players, nice players to have on the team. Uh, but as far as being that athlete that helps, you know, put the team on their back or really, you know, fulfills their complete potential as far as being able to do something and go on and play at the college level, they don't check, they don't check that box. Um, so there, there's different, every athlete is different. Um, but for the most part, if you don't like to play, if you don't like to work on your game and you don't like the competition aspect of going into a game and saying, I'm going to win or I'm going to lose, but there's no tie here. Right. And, and I'm, right. I'm excited about that, that possibility. Um, then you're not going to have that really complete athlete that, you know, can, can be, I think, get the most out of themselves. And you mentioned one other thing, as far as the, the, comparison aspect and I was listening to another podcast I can't remember which one it was um, but but they were pretty blunt they were like you know um, I was a pig and I was comparing myself to a horse and the pig can't ever become a horse but it can become a really fast pig and so that's what just what I was <laughs> so so I I learned that, I like that in the beginning I was trying to be a horse and I was really disappointed and frustrated when I accepted I was just a pig, but I could be, you know, get the most out of this pig. Yeah. Then I started to actually get improvement and I feel good about what I did. I made the most out of, out of myself. So that, I mean, all that touches on kind of a previous question, but yeah. I wanted to add that in. And some coaches, they're looking for a fit. Maybe it's college. Maybe it's, they're looking for a pig. <laughs> they need this to fill their exactly. team. Um, yeah. They're not looking for a specific thing. Have you ever... Am I, I'm sorry, I haven't listened to all the podcasts. Have you ever said those three things of how to be really successful in their basketball? Really, those you can attribute to anything on another podcast. Probably. That was powerful. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if anybody was listening, that there's your, there's your, there's your key. There's your blueprint. Um, there's your success. Um, those are powerful. And, you know, and, and checking all the boxes. Um, hey, I do want to get better, but I, I'm not loving the process. I'm not building my skill, right? Or, or like you just said, the competing part. How, how much of that do you think that kid is just kind of afraid to fail? Um, doesn't, I don't know if he lacks confidence, but, but we, I think it's one thing we, we need to teach kids to do, and I think it's embraced more than it ever was 20, 30 years ago, is the fear of failure. It's okay, failure is learning. Um, you know, and to realize it's okay. And you're going to, if you never fail, you don't take any risk and you're not trying any things. The biggest mistake, the biggest mistake that you can make is not making it. The biggest mistake you can make is not making it. There's yeah. no growth. Right. And so, right. you know, last week when I was working with a handful of players, um, I said, listen, we're doing these workouts do it until we start making some mistakes. When we get there, understand that beyond the mistakes is where our growth is going to start. Everything before you really start to miss some shots and dribble off your foot, we can essentially just call that like a warm up and we're prepping. But the growth, the getting stuff done is going to happen once we're starting to make some mistakes and now we're building off of that. But the, the challenge I think for, for kids is, and I'm guilty of it as well, is 
we live in such a highlight real society and it's never been easier to see that because of social media. And so it's so easy for people to put their successes out there and for everybody to see them. And then we compare ourselves to that. We've already touched on that subject and we feel like, okay, I got to measure up to that. Nobody else is making a mistake. No, they're making plenty of mistakes too. They're just not putting it on a Instagram yeah. or Twitter. Right. Um, so it's important for us as parents and it's important for us as coaches to encourage our kids to, to fail, to encourage them to make mistakes. That's where we're going to learn. That's where we're going to get the most, most growth. And essentially once we, once we start praising that, instead of trying to hide it mm. now, now we're going to allow those kids to be able to, to make that mistake or to lose that game or whatever it was. And they're going to be able to look around and say, Hey, that actually wasn't that bad. The, the, the sun still came up the next day. I'm still, you know, I'm still breathing and I can handle that. And now once they get that, that's a, that's a level of confidence. The next time they go into competition, that's going to allow them to, I think, be able to give it their all and let the results happen either way. And if you are afraid to fail, you never give it the 100. You're always pulling something back because at 100 is where we get success or we get failure, but we have to be okay with giving that 100, knowing that success is not guaranteed. And when you get to the point as an athlete, and you're comfortable enough in your own skin that you can say, I'm going to go out in this game and I'm going to give it everything I have. And it still may not be enough. You want to talk about power. Yeah. You want to talk about mental toughness, the, the ability to go into a game and literally have like no fear and just be like, listen, I'm coming after you. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's going to be enough to win right. this game because this other team is stacked, right? right? Or this other player I'm going against is stacked, but they're going to give it everything. And whatever happens, happens. And I, I hate it when we say like, we repeat the same word happens, happens, yeah. <laughs> or it is what it is, but yeah. sometimes it's true, right? You just yeah. like, it's on, let's go. Yeah. And, yeah. and whoever plays the best this day, you tip your hat to them and you go, that's where we start to, to get the best performance, I think. And, and performance is, such a mental thing. Yeah. Uh, I could, I could talk about that all day and that's something that I'm really passionate about continuing to learn, learn more about. Well, I'm going to piggyback off that for a second. Then I, I'm going to ask you a question, particular basketball, but I guess it could be a team sport. I mean, um, I, I like, as you know, I coach middle school football, but also on track. And, and I think there's a coachability thing when you ask a kid to do something, I'm in, in a technical side of things. So, so let's say it's pole vault or throwing or something but also, you know, you're coaching your kids and maybe it's football. So when you're asking them to do something and then apply it to the game, you know, they have to be willing to know that they could fail, but you're asking them to be coachable and try it then. If you don't ever try it in competition or obviously practice, that's easier to do. I don't know how coachable you are, you know? So, so if we're trying to work on this technique and you don't try to do those exact same things at a track meet or in a game, are you really coachable? And, and we try to get that across and it is a freeing feeling. I try to get this through to the kids and get them to feel this. It's not just know it, feel it. It is a freeing feeling to know I will not light you up because you failed. I'd rather you see you attempt to do the things we ask you coaching wise to do and fail versus not doing them all and being safe. And, and so then it goes into my next question. How many kids stay a little safe because they know if they make a mistake or fail, they're coming out of the game the right right away. I see this all the time. And, uh, you know, there's so many coaches that, you know, have a quick string and a, and a quick pull. And I had, uh, I worked at a, actually I'm wearing the shirt, this uh, overseas basketball combine. I had the chance to go uh, and, and coach up like 60 players that were trying to get an overseas com, uh, wow. contract to play. And so they all flew in from around the country to Myrtle Beach. And I was one of like four coaches selected to work, work with these guys in front oh, of some agents. That's outstanding. Yeah. Well, one of the coaches there had played for North Carolina. And he, he was then um, a uh, – he was coaching like some semi-pro basketball in, along the East Coast. 
and he said something that I just, I'm like, man, this is gold. He said, uh, I don't play selfish and I don't play stupid. He's like, but other than that, you're good. He, and, and so his message to his players, now he's dealing with pro players, but this yeah. message goes at yeah. any level. He's like, if you're out on the court for me and you're being selfish, you're out. If you're out yeah. on the court for me and you're doing something stupid, essentially meaning this is something that we've talked about, we, you, you know it, and, and you're making those mistakes again and again, yeah. you know better. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. He's like, but as long as you're not doing one of those two things, I don't care what kind of mistakes you make. Like if you go hard and you turn the ball over, you miss a layup or any of those things, you run a play, you know, something happened, whatever, didn't go as planned. I don't care. Yeah. That's fine. And I think as coaches, if we ask ourselves, you know, is the reason we're pulling a kid out, if it's not for one of those two reasons, and if it's not for like, okay, that's the eighth man on the team or eighth girl on the team and the best player just needs a breather or there's like a foul, like there, there's a couple strategy, right? Situations why you would sub certain players. Sure. Those need to be communicated as well to your players because they need an understanding as well. It, it should be clear to kids why they're coming in and out of a game they're going to play with much more freedom and they're going to play better because of that, because they understand when they're on the court, why they're on the court and the reason for why they're coming off the court. Yeah. All of those things to me are on the coach. Yeah. It's our job yes. as coaches to make sure that that's, that's clear. It's concise. It's understood throughout the roster. Everybody has different roles. Some players role is to, get up every time and high five and, you know, do your thing. Other players role is going to be play 20 minutes out of a 30 minute game, you know, mm -hmm. but, but as long as that's communicated at a high level, um, I think kids, when they have the opportunity to do what they're supposed to do, they can do it to the best of their ability. No, that's, that's wow. That's powerful. Um, like I said, you work with a lot of kids. They really want to play. It's a popular sport, but there is a ton of competition in it. Everybody wants either this scholarship or this and that, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. The unfortunate part of scholarships is college is so expensive that we understand why it is that important. Um, but what are, what are some things that you see, and maybe you just said that in those three things that make the difference um, in those that succeed and others that maybe don't progress? We could dig into that. Um, again, many I feel like we touched on already as far as a player trying to get the most out of themselves. You know, we talked about those three things. Do they like to play? Do they like to train? Do they like to compete? Um, in order to get the most out of ourselves, we can't be afraid to put it all out there and have it not work out. And that's probably the biggest one that I've been pushing to kids lately um, with, with as I've been doing player development for a longer period of time, more of the kids that I've worked with for years and years are now getting up into high school and, and having that opportunity to go on and play mm -hmm. at the college level. And so one of the things that I say to try to, to encourage them is you need to get yourself to the point where you're okay with giving something, everything that you have and that lot not leading to the result that you wanted or the result that you envisioned. And when you get yourself to that point where you're okay with giving it everything you have and it may not lead to what you want, that's when you are actually getting yourself the best opportunity to get what it is you actually want. And I hope that made sense the way I, the way I phrased it. No. I mean, unbelievable. I would think, and I it is, and maybe you feel this way, you just might not say it. That is extremely rare feedback given to kids. Extremely rare. I mean, it's realistic and it's okay to have peace because you gave it everything you have and the result didn't exactly happen the way you want. Or maybe something else came out of it um, that, that maybe you didn't see coming that, you know, there's some kids, they want to get to this level, but 
you realize they didn't, but man, are they unbelievable coaches in five years from now or this and that. I mean, I've seen things like that, but that's rare feedback given to kids. Um, and I, I applaud you for it. I mean, that's. Part of that is, is my, my personal story. I mean, I, yeah. you know, every kid probably has the dream of playing in the NBA or the NFL or the major leagues or the WNBA or whatever that is. I think I probably held on to that dream a little longer than most people probably gave that up a little sooner. Um, but I feel like if, if you would have said, Steve, did you do everything you could to play in the NBA? I would say, based on the knowledge that I had, yes. And so am I considered a, would I consider myself a failure that I didn't get to play in the NBA? No. And because I put myself out there to the point that, to the best of my knowledge, now we've already spoken about, there was a bunch of stuff I did that if I could do it over again, I yeah. wouldn't have done the same stuff. Right, and, um, right. you know, I've had conversations with coaches and they're like, Steve, you did all this stuff. And so now you get to teach all these kids, you know, how to work out because you all, you did all these things, right? I said, I did a lot of things, right. But I did plenty of things wrong. And that's just as important for me to teach all the players is what not to do as much as what it is to do. But putting myself out there gave me the chance to play college basketball, gave me the chance to play basketball professionally overseas and, and do some, do some really cool things. Mm -hmm. And even playing overseas, there were plenty of opponents that I played against where I was like, this guy's out of my league. Like I'm just, they're six, six, they yeah. got a 40 inch vertical. They're Ferraris. They have their Ferraris. <laughs> right. And you know, I was a Ferrari compared to a lower level and that, yeah. now I'm the pig. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm just trying to be, be a fast pig. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, but to be able to put yourself out there and be like, Hey, like that was, you know, the tank was on empty is a, a pretty, um, freeing kind of, kind of feeling. And so that's what yeah. I want for our kids, you know, and whatever goal it is that they have for themselves. And my hope is that that transfers to the other things that they do after they're done playing, playing basketball, um, is that if they understand putting themselves out there and something not going as they saw planned is actually going to lead to a lot of positive things in their life. And from a mental emotional standpoint, it's going to put them in a much better space as a, as an individual than it would otherwise, you know, feeling like you're, you're a failure or always second guessing yourself and saying, what if I would have tried a little harder? What if I would have done, you know, just gave it that little extra push but I didn't, then you're living your life with regret. And so you don't, you don't want to do that either. Um, so, so when you don't have regret in your life and when you're okay with putting yourself out there and something doesn't work out, not only are you freeing yourself up mentally, but the other thing is, I think you're going to start to attract other people in your life who have a, a similar kind of philosophy and, and mindset. And so you're going to give yourself the chance to build some positive relationships with some other really good people. And, um, you know, you're going to benefit each other from that. You're probably going to have the opportunity to make a positive impact in many more people's life because of, you know, that, that mindset that you've adopted. That sounds just like Joe Ehrman's book. It's powerful. I mean, I've always said like regret is worse than failure. So oh, there's, yeah, no, that's there's no regret you have that that's perfect in, in your way that, you know, what you did. Um, and then, and that's, let me say what, there's a yeah. difference between um, like making a mistake. We've talked about making mistakes. There's plenty of things I would do differently because I know a heck of a lot more <laughs> in my thirties yeah. than yeah. I knew when I was 16 yes. years old. So, but you have to be okay with that and say like, listen, we're all a work in progress. And so like, did, did you do the best with, you know, the, the knowledge that you had and, the, the body that God gave you and the, mm -hmm. and the skills that you had and the abilities that you had to use. And that's, that's all you can do. Right. I mean, and there's, there's going to be some kid or some person come across you at a certain point of their career and their age and said, I, I wish I would have came across you sooner. You know, uh, same thing. That's out of their control. You, you have now. Um, I, I've always, I, I teach a leadership class here too. And so you try to pour in good information 
to the kids, you're not sure what gets through, some things you, you think what gets through, like, first of all, the, the feedback that you just gave to those kids to set them up for success, even after basketball, again, I applaud you for it. It's just not something I typically hear. And it's just, and I hope the parents appreciate it um, because it's extremely valuable feedback. One of my favorite lines too is sometimes, so of all of those students that you give that feedback to, are there some that just, um, the phrase I always use is, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. How many aren't, you're saying it, it's not quite getting in or they don't quite understand, or how many come back five years later and said, now I know what you meant when you kind of you know, said those things. So I haven't had, I don't feel like I've been doing what I've been doing long enough to have a lot of those players okay that to that sure. age level and, and come back and say hey you know you know they're 25 and they're married and kids and i don't have anybody i've worked with that's probably you know 25 yet okay um but i think for for me in the words that i'm saying it's when it doesn't click with the kid because you're right and and there's a couple things one if i'm the only person saying that we got a problem yeah and, it, and there's an uphill battle for that, that player, right? Because if they're getting the other feedback of performance, how many points, how many minutes did you play? Did you start? And so all these things are piling up, right? And then you got me, for example, on the other side, saying things that are completely opposite. But the thing is, what I'm saying, if they adopt that, there's a really good chance that they are going to play more. They are going to score more points. They are going to win more. They're going to do yeah. all these things because that's not the focus, right? right? They're not, they're not results focusing on the result. Yes. They're, they're focusing on themselves and, and what they can do to, you know, daily get a little bit better. Um, so, so they have a, they have an uphill battle. So um, again, it, it's on us as, as coaches to reframe how we communicate to, to our players um, it's, it's on us to um, really praise them for mistakes, for putting it all out there and say, hey, things didn't work out. And you know what? There's As a coach, admit there's things that I would have done differently too. If we had to coach that game again and this certain stuff happened, you know what? I made some mistakes. Right. And what a freeing feeling as a player when your coach is humble enough and confident enough in themselves to say, listen, some of this is on me, yeah. you know, and I'll, yeah. I'll never forget the most, the most I've ever been apologized to by a basketball coach was my, one of my professional coaches. Right. And I've had some great high school college yes. coaches. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Right. But there were a handful of games. I remember where the, where our pro coach comes in and he's, he's like, listen, guys, my bad. He's like, we didn't prepare the way we needed to this week in practice to do what we had to do in a game. And I'm looking at it like, oh man, I played like crap this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he's my, my teammate had five turnovers and you know, three of them were unforced and yeah. you know, we shot a terrible percentage from the free throw line and all this stuff. And he's taking the blame first instead of coming in and, and pointing fingers and yelling and screaming at each of us and, and saying what we did wrong. Um, what a what a great modeling tool that was for me as a young man to see somebody older than me doing that. And what a freeing feeling it was for me as a current athlete to know that there's enough pressure on a pro athlete, especially overseas anyway. You're on a one-year contract and even that, you, you play a couple of bad games, you might just get on the next flight out of there. So to have a, a coach who was just like, listen, you know, this is a team and I'm I'm the head of the team and it's on me gives you as a player uh, a lot more power and freedom to do the best that you can without some of this fear of yeah of failure yeah no i think it's a freeing feeling i mean yeah. i think you used two of my most favorite words almost in the same sentence and modeling um any coach or leader or anybody you know if you want your players to do this certain thing i want you to get up early and do it are you modeling it you know, um, modeling to me is the number one key. And you just said he, he modeled 
um, embracing failure, you know, Hey, I, I, and admitting when you can make a mistake, you know, and the second would be that really it's the humility of it. Um, that's a freeing feeling, you know, to I'm growing and I want to continue to grow and realize I'm going to make mistakes. And as long as I own those mistakes, you know, the humility people, people, you probably respected that guy even more, played maybe even harder for him. Um, he made you better, more confident, realizing, hey, I can make mistakes. And as long as I own them and I know what I did wrong, you know, he might not take me out as much or he, he you know, he's going to believe in me, whatever. Um, yeah. Those are great yeah. feelings. No, that was, the, that was the most favorite coach I've ever played for. Um, not surprised. He, uh, he just had a, he was a um, Croatian national team player. He was a army army veteran in the, the oh, Serbian, wow. the Serbian war. Great dude. Um, he had coached a handful of Croatian guys that had gone to play the NBA. Tony Kukoc, who played with yeah. Jordan and one of those yeah. championships. He was one of his coaches, um, had a unique mind for the game, but it was those intangible things that he brought to the table, um, that made you want to lay it all out there all out there for him. And I'll tell you what, I would have done anything for that guy. I mean, he yeah. would have, you know, if he, he said, Steve, you got to do X, Y, and Z, consider it done. You right. Know? Um, he had my back and, and I had his and um, side, side story. Um, this is kind of a, for you guys listening, I appreciate you guys listening. This is a unique, unique episode. I don't get interviewed very often. Um, so this is kind of <laughs> cool for me to share some stories on, on my end. Um, I'm learning too. I'm growing. So, but uh, I had a, the last coach that I played for, I knew that that was going to be my last year playing basketball overseas. Um, my wife and I had decided to move back to the States. We okay. wanted to start a family. Sure. We wanted to transition to what the future was going to look like. Um, so it was my best, my last year overseas was my best year ever. I was all league. I led our team in scoring. We have one of the best teams in the league. I told my agent, everybody, this is it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm calling it. And, um, you know, we're moving on to the next phase in our life. And funny thing, I had more contract offers the year I retired than in any other year uh, prior. And my and I wasn't even my agent wasn't putting me out there. I wasn't doing anything. But there he was getting phone calls like, hey, we want Kramer to, to play on our team. Um, and we finished we finished the last game and uh, it was the last game of the season. And the coach walks into the locker room and I'm bawling. I'm crying. This is my yeah, last, yeah, sure. this is my last real game. Yeah, and it, and yeah. so I, I still remember what that feeling is because for many of the players I work with, that last game is when they're 17 or 18. And wow, so I point. was like, man, okay, I'm 26. And this is, this is my last game. I'm, I'm feeling blessed. But at the same time, like I poured everything into, into this. So I'm sobbing, I'm crying. And, uh, he doesn't say anything to anybody. <laughs> he walks over and this guy doesn't even touch anybody. Like he's, he's been in, like, like I said, he's an army veteran. He's yeah. literally been in yeah. battle, you know? Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm crying in, on the bench and he comes, he comes over to me in the locker room. He gives me a hug. He puts it. I, I can't pick my head up. It feels like it's a hundred pounds. I can't, yeah. I can't even lift my head up. He puts his hand on, on the top of my head and uh He's like, Steve, you're my player. He's like, you're my player. And um, it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had with, with another individual. Yeah. Um, just kind of, just kind of, you know, we were two people with one mind kind of, you know? And yeah. um, so the, again, I don't know how this kind of comes back into the conversation, but if, if you're taking anything away from this, my hope is that we don't, we never underestimate the power as mentors and as coaches that we can have on young people. And, yeah. you know, and I'm talking about teenage people. When, I, when that coach was doing it to me, I was, tw I was a 26 year old married man. Yeah. Right? I'm a grown man right. and I'm still feeling like a, a puddle because this, this coach who's, you know, this, this tough, you know, knows the game guy and he's coming over and I'm crying and he's crying and he puts his hand on my head and calls me his player. And, um, you know, that, so we, we should never take for granted 
the the impact that we can have on somebody because here I am, you know, 10 years later talking about it on the podcast and and I'm going to continue to remember those moments and that impact and try to do that for other people, you know, for the rest of my life. Wow. I, that's a great story and deep story. And I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, again, I hope people take lessons from that. I mean, it's just, it's so powerful, the impact you can have. Um, and for him to say that you're my player, I mean, geez, that's, that's deep, like a son, right? I mean, that's how he treated you again. You'll get more out of somebody when you, when you, they know you care about them too. Um, when he was like, you're, you're like my player. He's like, yeah. you know, he was essentially like anything you need, like ever, I got you. Like, yeah. you know, and it was like, wow, to have that, you know, that uh, level of kind of comfort and, and yeah. relation, that bond, I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. a bond with somebody is, is, is pretty rare, but that's the cool thing about coaching is it, is yeah. it, it really has the ability to, um, to go, to go places that, you know, other things just don't have the ability to in life. Let's do, let's do one or two more here. So even off of that, um, do we have coaches that are slowly, is that becoming more prevalent or some still numbers-based, somewhat ego-driven? Because let's be honest, if you're wanting to coaching and, and you're, you're looking to continue to move up, you somewhat need the numbers and the success to move up. That's what, unfortunately, that's what people look for first before, hey, this is my guy. He just didn't have maybe the quite talent, but boy, can he, can he build? Is he getting guys to grow? Is he unbelievable at um, building a culture, building men, um, those type of things? coaches out there do you think coach that way as far as the building uh, building of character um, all those type of things versus somewhat the ego driven um, they are there you know they get the wins it kind of continues their win total um, versus kind of developing the whole player and and building that type of kid and and, and the results still take care of themselves um, I th there's definitely coaches out there who are, there's definitely coaches out there who are focused on that, that result, right? Winning, yeah. moving up, going to higher levels, whatever that might look like. But I would say that there is a much higher percentage of coaches that are in it for the right reasons. I know I have some friends that are like the best coaches. They yeah. are, they are in and they are, they're just, how do I do it better? How yeah. do I make more of an impact? And so they are, they are all in for the right reasons. It's, it's more about reminding yourself of why you started yeah. and why you're truly in it. Because what happens is we, we get in it for, for the passion and the impact, but as we're in it for a longer period of time, that can get chipped away. Yeah. That can get chipped away from this outside noise it can get chipped at sometimes from parents or from administration or from wherever else where we start to feel this, this pressure on a result instead of about the impact. And so it's, it's not the coach, right? It's just that coach needs to remind themselves, say, Hey, let's, let's get a little bit back to basics. And, and when we do that, we concentrate on the impact, the process, the growth of our athletes again, now you give yourself the best chance to really get more wins, to have more success, to probably be at that school longer if that's the place that you, you'd like to be, or, or maybe it is an opportunity to go somewhere and coach it at a higher level. Um, but those are important things for us to continue to remind ourselves because there are so many great coaches out there. There are so many great coaches out there. I know so many of them, but it's easy to get beat up. It's easy to get knocked down. And that's when you got to dust yourself off and give yourself that little reminder of, you know, why you got in it in the first place. That does my heart good that you feel there's so many out there. That's, that's good. Um, yeah, no, I think that, I think that's important. And I think those wins and successes are so much even more rewarding because it's the deeper relationship and you're sharing it with the players and that type of stuff. It's even more rewarding than just, hey, we won this many games or that type of thing. You see that. I think you definitely see that, especially in college basketball. When you watch, you can tell teams that really, 
enjoy one another and care and they care about the coach. And I think that's important as well. Absolutely. Let's, let me fire one more off for you. And then, and right. then um, you know, we've already taken up, I think a lot of people's time here. So you, you, you definitely talked in three things, enjoy playing the game, love the worker process or train, and then, and then compete, um, which might mean failure at times and you learn from it. What would be some, you know, a, a, a kid is listening to this, a parent is listening to this, anything, um, maybe some regrets or things you would do differently, um, you know, that now at the age you're at versus you were growing up. Um, so again, somebody's kind of either starting new or, or listening to this, some, some, either some mistakes that you learned from or some things that, like you just said, the, this is a, a gold mine here, man. They enjoy playing the game love the work and process and compete. Maybe a couple of nuggets to leave the people with that you learned along the way. From the play, from the play standpoint, there's a couple things that I would have done differently. Um, I didn't play AAU basketball and AAU isn't the answer for everyone. And that's a whole nother topic, right? essentially. But for a person who did go on and play college basketball, AAU would have been a great benefit for me. It would have allowed me to play more players outside of my area. Okay. It would have allowed me to play against more talented athletes and also would have given me more college exposure, um, okay. you know, to, to get that recruiting process and more experience with what that recruiting process was. Would that have changed my college decision? We'll never know. Um, but that would have been great. So from a playing standpoint, that would have been a big one. Two, and you're really going to like this answer, I wish I would have ran track. I ran track in junior high yeah. and I was so slow. I just started playing soccer and basketball instead. Yeah. Um, Cause I had like good cardio base. I was skinny body type. So I could do stuff and for the most part, not get tired. And so I had decent footwork. So I just play soccer. Sure. I, I would have done that differently was I, de I definitely would have ran track coming up. So those would be the two for, for play. Um, for, for training, um, we touched on this a little bit as mm -hmm. well, but um, I would have really focused on like quick explosive movements, whether that's, you know, a ball handling drill where, where you're working on a crossover. And after I cross over, can I focus on like two or three really explosive low steps and then just repeat it again? You know, and these are big parts of what we teach now with our kids. Yeah. And I didn't do enough of that when, when I was coming up, like just work on these short bursts of being explosive and of changing direction. You know, if, if you're, if you're really in a nutshell, if you work on um, a dynamic movement in one direction, you work on uh, the change of direction of it, you work on um, the stopping of it because a lot of times in basketball we work on starting but we don't work on the stopping so if we can go if we can change and we can stop and then if we can learn to add contact while we're doing all of those things we're really starting to build ourselves up into a pretty darn good basketball player right handling the basketball attacking and so again that, that's a pretty clean way of putting in a bunch of stuff that I didn't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. I was doing a bunch of fundamental skills and I, I know that for the most part is what got me to where I am today. Right. But there's a better way of doing it as far as how I would have allocated my time and energy to get the most out of those things. I think that most basketball players spend way too much time playing games Mm -hmm. not nearly enough time working on their game. Sure. Um, so with, with that said, now, if you're going to work on your game a lot, like I did, now how do we be the most efficient out of it? Be really explosive, short burst, start, stop, change direction, add contact. And we got a pretty good, pretty good base there. Yeah. Um, and then for the last one, um, competing, I'm a really competitive person. So I, I don't have a whole, whole lot, you know, if we're playing, you know, tennis with my, you know, seven-year-old grandparents or, you know, candy land with, with my daughter. Yeah. Um, I've always um, felt, I just grew up in a, a family that we were always competing. If you come to my house on a Saturday, we're doing something. 
right? My my brother, you know, last summer is like first guy to do 100 pull-ups wins, you know, and people are doing the pull-ups and then they're gassed yeah. out and the next person goes and we're all just keeping a running tally in our head until somebody yeah. gets to 100, you know, and then I'm like, oh man, I haven't done pull-ups in a while and my whole back hurts for like two days straight. Um, but I grew up in an environment where competing and winning and losing was something that just happened like throughout the course of every day. And I grew up with right. five brothers or four right. brothers, you know, I'm one yeah. of five. So that was a big part of it. And I think personally for me, that was a big advantage over a lot of people that may not have felt as comfortable putting themselves out there and having mm -hmm. it not work. I was like, mm -hmm. every Friday night at my parents' house, I I've won or lost who knows how many times. And yeah. I, I really yeah. enjoyed the wins and I hated the, lose the losses. Um, but I did get caught up a little bit and this is something that I see with, with other kids, especially if you're a higher level player and growing up in high school, like I was the best player in my team. I was the best player in the area. And so when you know you have a lot of eyes on you, you want to like make it look easy. You yeah. want to make it look like cool and stuff like that because you know a lot of people are watching you. Um, and so you got to throw that out the window. Yeah. Like you, you, you have to totally try to drown that out. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, that is not easy. And I grew up without social media at that right. age. Good point. Um, so I, I understand that's a really tall task to ask of somebody, but if, if mentally you can get to the point where it's like, I don't care if I look cool. Um, and and it, for me, it wasn't a competitive standpoint. If, it, if we were playing, I didn't care how it looked. I want to win, yes. but like when you're going through the warm up, like I want to look cool in the warm up, yeah. right? And yeah. when you're doing the drills, you want to look right. cool in the drills. And it's like that stuff doesn't matter. Like right. it, it doesn't matter at all. Like just do what you got to do to to get ready for the game. Stuff like that, I would change. Wow, impactful. I, I want to throw one thing, and then and then we can close this out. The other thing I didn't touch on from a human movement standpoint, you 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 just talked the change in direction, and, and sometimes it's just doing things like. You'll do a side-to-side -side movement and can you stick the landing? Learning to stop first before changing direction obviously will help as well. So if, if I'm doing some sort of hop to the right, can I stick the landing literally like a gymnast on one foot? Then your body will have the ability to then stick the landing and then change back the other way. So I think it's a basketball thing or agility thing as well, rather than just doing ladder drills. Can you stick the landing? When you jump off of something two foot or one foot, can you stick the landing without any depression? Therefore, you can immediately then rebound and, and go back up into the air. So those, sticking the landing, that's another little small tidbit I think can help um, hitting positions and then being able to then transfer that position back. So we talked about change direction. You explained a heck of a lot better than I could. Um, the one other thing that I would add with that is, and I've noticed this, especially with a lot of younger kids who don't seem as strong, is like holding a base, holding a stance, holding a foundation. And you know, there'll be kids where a lot of times when we start at our camps, we'll go like stationary movement, stopping, change of direction. And then we add contact and we kind of go through these progressions that, but we're like doing dribbling drills and stuff. Yeah. Um, but we'll, I'll see kids who will come in and they'll be like, Hey, here's like a stance that we want to work on because we're going to be in that stance a lot playing basketball. Right. And then kids will like get into a stance, but they can't, they can't hold it. Right. They're like, you know, their back's doing something or their hips are doing something or a knee's going some somewhere else. And not, so not being able to hold a position, I'm like, okay, well, if we can't hold this position and we're in this position a lot, how are we going to be dynamic when we try to move out of it? Does that make sense? So. Oh, very much so. That's what they need to be aware of as well. Um, Lee Taft is a great change of direction guy. I don't know if you follow yeah, him. Yeah, I followed him on YouTube. He is fantastic um, for years and it will tell you how to hit positions and change directions and stop. He, he's a good one just for any sport that does any change of direction. Cool. Very good. Coach, anything else you want to throw at me? No, I mean, we all, yeah, we could go on for a lot longer here, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed it. I did. I had some questions that I, I really wanted to ask you. So I'm glad you allowed me to do that. And I felt like we could have went a lot further, but um, again, I, I got notes here as well. Um, that I'm going to take and, and I appreciate you let me do 2.0 here and I enjoyed getting a chance to interview you and I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing sharing some stories with us and I, and I hope people can take that and again um, when the student is ready to teach your peers and, and you're definitely a teacher there so I appreciate that and I think the 
you know, I'm trying to be a, a better teacher and, and like any of us, we, we have to, one of the benefits of me doing the podcast is I get to be a student all the time. Yes, I get do. to ask you and all, so, you know, you get to grow. I start to teach other people, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm learning as much or more than anybody. I feel like being able to talk to people like you. So yeah. um, thanks for, thanks for jumping on the, the coach's edge podcast. And uh, for, for all of you out there that are, are listening, this was kind of a unique episode, but I hope that you found uh, a lot of benefit from it. If you did, please share it out with somebody, whether it's a player, whether it's a parent, uh, whether, whether it's a coach, if you found value in that. Um, again, it's called the coach's edge because we're trying to give you an edge, an edge, we're trying to give you some type of, of an advantage uh, if you listen and apply it. And um, you know, if you did, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, please a rating, a review, uh, a leave, leave a, a rating, subscription. That goes a really long way as we continue to, to grow this podcast. We have been doing it for almost a year. Um, since the, the pandemic kind of kicked off and we started the coach's edge. So it's cool to kind of do an episode like this as we're really actually getting close to the year anniversary and, and kind of think about some of the things that um, have kind of made Kramer basketball and the coach's edge and all these things kind of leading up to, to where we are today. So coach Sable, I appreciate you participating and kind of making this episode what it was. Again, thank you for very much. And I, and I hope you and I can just stay in touch a little bit more too. Absolutely. Yeah.